This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. For the younger generation, TikTok is where it's at. It's all the rage right now. Uh, I know my kids like TikTok. I know Sarah likes TikTok. Uh, It's big among young people. So if you are trying to connect and communicate with young people, makes sense that that would be a place that you want to be. So now we are seeing teachers all over TikTok. Is that a good idea? Will that work? Let's find out. We're going to chat with uh, Dr. Paul Bennett now, who is the director of Halifax-based firm Schoolhouse Institute, also an adjunct professor of education at St. Mary's University. Dr. Bennett, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Great to be with you, Shay. So on the surface here, doctor, it, it makes good sense, right? If, if young people are on TikTok a lot and they're really leaning into any specific source for communication, it, it's important that educators be there, right? I can understand that thinking. Yes, but most of it is silly nonsense. Well, that's the thing. And uh, that's, that's the point of my article, which was on TikTok brain and the neurological changes that have occurred during the pandemic and the effect that it's having on the capacity of not only uh, children but teachers to learn. We've all been affected, and my point is simply this, that TikTok brain is a clinical condition. There's a serious problem with teen addiction to social media. Mm -hmm. It's time we confronted it, and it's had impacts on neurological conditions, It's made it increasingly difficult to engage in structured learning. And with the priority on uh, teaching, shall we say, structured literacy, it's increasingly difficult. So while I applaud teachers for using it as a motivational tool, I think its overuse is a danger, and we have enough clinical evidence, and we actually have a diagnosis. It's called tick-tock brain. It okay. makes us less inclined to focus, more inclined to jump to conclusions, and to form snap judgments on things. It doesn't leave enough time for serious discussion, and it's affecting our habits of attention. And that's a function of the way that platform has been built, right? I mean, the focus of that platform is engagement and, and quick hits, right? Exactly. But uh, if you think about it, the smartphone is actually an instrument of distraction. Continual beeps, all kinds of messages coming in, a steady uh, flow of uh, tweets, um, text messages. Um, It was actually designed to be disruptive Mm -hmm. in the classroom, and yet we're left with technology that we have to adapt for educational purposes. Um, And as you say, that presents massive challenges. Is there a way of doing that? That's the question, I guess, Dr. Bennett. Is there a way of incorporating our smartphones and social media platforms to be beneficial rather than uh, a detriment, as you describe? Yes, of course there is. But the CBC national story that we're talking about here seemed to indicate that it was... It was something that was uh, all pleasant and was right. going to be a uh, benefit. And uh, what a wonderful thing it was to see TikTok being used in schools. I noticed they didn't interview any teachers. They uh, certainly uh, did not look at the evidence where um, there's evidence that our brain functions and our capacity to concentrate is, is really at risk. 
And after two and a half years of a pandemic, yeah. with so much emphasis on getting back to studying and, and uh, routines, I have to ask, is TikTok really the answer to the challenges we face in education? A fair question. Absolutely. But if it's not, and I agree with you that it's definitely not, what is? I mean, uh, because if that, like you say, I mean, it's not just disruptive, doctor. It's really all-consuming. I mean, I've got a, an eight, a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old, so they're not in uh, the public exactly. education system anymore. But I know how much time, I mean, they're, they're constantly looking at their phone. So it's not just disruptive. It's all-consuming. How do you counter that? Like you're saying, it's, it's been damaging. How do we turn that around? Well, there's two things we need to weigh here. First of all, we want to engage students and catch their interest. That is the value of something like TikTok. Okay. But let's make no mistake about it. It is just an appetizer. It's not the main menu. And if it becomes and it eats up more and more of the time in the classroom, it under uh, undercuts learning and stands in the way of learning. So let's put it this way. I make an argument in my article, which was in The Hub, for um, introducing uh, teaching methodologies that focus on habits of attention. I think the kids need to have some practice with habits of attention. And there's, um, you know, teach, teach Like a Champion in the United States has a series of lesson activities that teachers can use to develop habits of attention in the class. And if we ever needed that, it was now, yeah. after two and a half years of disruptions, after teachers, uh, teachers coming back, trying to settle their classes down, establish some routines, and actually accomplish something. I, um, I don't think that TikTok by itself hurts learning. I think it's undermining the learning process if it can't be controlled and contained. And we know what happened when cell phones got introduced sure. into the classroom. They essentially have taken over, whether it's officially or unofficially, whether it's in the desks or in their pockets, or, uh, for, exa for example, uh, texting. It's just um, continuous stream. Yeah. And in my article, I, I make the point that this is a continuous stream of dopamine reactions, and uh, it makes teachers look like they're talking slowly. It's like a teacher's in slow motion mm -hmm. when you look at them, and uh, no teacher can compete with TikTok. So, like you say, it can be the appetizer. It can be the the start of something. How can a teacher use that? I mean, you've got a very limited amount of time. How do you? Is it sort of trying to to plant a seed or or uh, set the hook and then have the curiosity spark to go further? Exactly. Uh, there, it's called a hook. Every good, practiced, skilled teacher has a hook to attract students and get their attention. But if that becomes the entire menu, <laughs> yeah. we've got a problem. And unfortunately, the way it was presented, you know, in the national news there, it seemed like, well, it was the answer. Well, it's far from the answer because, as I pointed out, it's fleeting images. Yep. Um, often um, certain political messages yep. buried in them, and it's hard to um, deprogram it. Uh, for example, I used to use uh, Heritage Minutes. That's one minute of historical um, reenactments. Yep. But it took me at least an hour to break those down, and I was finding that the students didn't get a whole lot out of them. This was grade 9 and 10. Unless you broke them down and analyzed them almost frame by frame, and they got a sense, oh, my goodness, these are packed with messages and interpretations that we need to unpack. 
So it started it, yeah. Uh, Dr. Bennett, thank you so much for your time. I, I'm unfortunately out of time, but I really appreciate you joining us today. Yes, I'm trying to slow things down. Yeah, I hear you. I'm with you. I don't think that teachers want to compete with TikTok. Can't. You can't. You're absolutely right. Dr. Bennett, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. That is Dr. Paul Bennett, who is the director of Halifax-based firm Schoolhouse Institute and an adjunct professor of education at St. Mary's University. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.